Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to be reading in chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Next Sunday is a baptism night. If you want, would like to uh, follow in believers' baptism, I'll be doing those baptisms at 5 o'clock. And, and if you've trusted Christ as Savior and would like to follow in believers' baptism, we're going to do it a little more intimately. We'll do it here, but we'll let uh, family and friends come up on the stage and be a little closer to the baptistry, and it'll, we'll just make it a really special time. If you know you're coming, we fill out that information on the connection card, and uh, it'll help us a little bit with planning. We'll open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're working our way through this book of the Bible. We're going to read there uh, in verse 1 in just a moment as we talk about longing for home. Vicki and I had just been married a little while, and we were had moved to Texas to go to seminary from our our home, we lived in this general area, and we um, had been, it's the first time really away from home for an extended period of time like that outside of college, and so we were just so anxious to come back, and we had a vacation time to come back to see our family and friends, and we decided we're going to leave early in the morning. It's a long drive from Texas back to Illinois, and we wanted to get there as quickly as we could, and so we were going to leave early in the morning, so we went to bed that night, and just we just couldn't sleep. We were excited about seeing our family and friends. We were homesick. I think both of us just kind of homesick. And though I like for people to say home is where you live, I think that's a better strategy for you. At that point, probably in our lives, we still thought of, of uh, our parents' home as home in many ways. And so we, were just, we just couldn't wait. And so about midnight, we just said, let's go. Let's get up. And we got up at midnight got in the car. We didn't have any kids yet, and we got in the car and started driving, and you know, it worked out well until about three or four in the morning. It's not so pleasant then. We pulled over to some parking lot and slept for an hour or so in that car. It was a terrible, terrible way to do it, but we just knew that feeling of longing for home, and it's an analogy of this emptiness we have. Those of us who know Christ as Savior can never quite make this home. And may I say, even if you've not given your life to Christ yet, it's never quite what you're looking for, is it? It never quite fulfills. And if you know Christ as Savior, the Bible tells us this isn't our home. We live here. We have responsibilities here. But it's never quite home. So let's read what the Bible says about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. If you're watching online, follow in the text or Take notes here in person. Let's read these verses together. The Bible says, For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling, since when we are clothed we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident and know that while we are, we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. God wants you to live with eternity in mind. God wants you to live with eternity in mind, to know that one day you're going to stand before him, whether prepared or not, whether you're expecting it or not, whether you're 
whether you live with eternity in mind or not, we're going to stand before God one day. And the Bible reminds us that the best way for us to live, the most effective way for us to live, is to live with eternity in mind, to know that we are going to stand before the Lord and that life here is short and brief and we're going to stand before Him one day. So let's look at four reasons we ought to live with eternity in mind. Four reasons we live with with eternity in mind. I want to encourage you to write these down. If you're at home, you can write those down as well. Let's write these principles. Number one, God made you for something lasting. God made you for something lasting. Verse one says, we know that if our earthly if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed. Now he's speaking here about our body. And you may remember a few weeks ago, the analogy that was used was that we are like jars of clay, frail and fragile. We're not, we're we're just simple vessels that God uses. And now the Bible uses the illustration of a tent. We're like an earthly tent. And if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. God made you for something lasting. I suspect that every uh, Jewish, any, any person with a Jewish background or people today who have a knowledge of the Old Testament would think when they read these words about the tabernacle and the temple. The tabernacle and the temple represented the very presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies, and it was in first the tabernacle, which was, which was a tent, I mean an elaborate tent, a, a massive tent, but a tent nonetheless. You may remember that Israel, when they left Egypt, God gave them instructions about building this tabernacle, and then they took it wherever they went, and finally it ended up in Shiloh, this place called Shiloh, where it was, where it was for hundreds of years. And then later, a temple was built, this, the same basic out, outline, but a temple made of rock and stone. And it represented the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant was there, the Day of Atonement. The high priest would go there once a year. Then that temple was destroyed and a second temple was built. And so it was a reminder of the tabernacle, which was the more temporary, and the temple, which was more permanent. And the Bible says that the temple of the Lord today is our body. That's when we trust Christ to save. It's not saying you necessarily look good on the outside. You know that, right? I mean, if you live long enough, you'll look less good perhaps, but nonetheless, it's the, the inside that matters. The, your body's the temple of God and that God lives in you if you know him as Savior, in you. And so our body's described as this earthly tent or a jar of clay. And it's reminding us of this truth that God made us for something lasting. Let's note a couple of things here. First, would you know you were made to live forever? You were made, you were created to live forever. And you will live forever, either separated from God in eternity in hell. And may I say the same Bible that talks about heaven warns us about hell. It warns us about hell. And the Bible says, or you can live with the Lord forever in heaven. And if you know Christ as Savior, you were saved to live eternal life. You were saved for heaven. It's one of the reasons why we're never quite satisfied with this world, because God made us for something more. God made us for something that lasts. Our earthly bodies don't last, but our heavenly body, our spiritual body, our soul will last with the Lord forever, and God will give us a new body, the Bible says, one day when the Lord has returned. And so in the meantime, 
we are reminded that life is brief and short and we are like jars of clay, we're like earthly tents. We, there's nothing really in this world that lasts forever. Everything sort of fades and cracks. If you've been to Europe, what we call old buildings here in Europe, they're so much older. But over time, they begin to deteriorate. Or in our, air, in our region, if you've been to Cahokia Mounds, a thousand years ago, people built those, these massive mounds to house the bodies of a ruler who had, who had died. It's said that maybe in the 1300s, at the height of what they think Cahokia was like, that it was bigger than London. And yet now, just slowly over time, things begin to deteriorate. The Bible reminds us that God made us for something lasting. And if we're not careful, we begin to think what matters most is what we have right now. What matters most is how much money do I have? Or how many toys do I get? Or how many things can I possess? How much pleasure can I gain? And those things last but a moment. And God made us for something beyond this. God made us for something lasting. And you will never live the kind of life God wants you to live unless you recognize this truth that God made you for eternity. And that life is short, but one day you're going to stand before God and that will last forever. And you'll live the kind of life God wants you to live when you see that, when you live with eternity in mind. There's a second reason we live with eternity in mind. God made you for something better. God made you for something better. The Bible describes heaven as something greater and better than what we have here. Verse 2 says, indeed, we groan in this tent. We groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling. It says the same thing in verse 4. We groan in this tent. That is, we're never satisfied here. We're looking for something better. God has something better for us. And the Bible tells us why in verse 4. Indeed, we're, we groan while we're in this tent, this longing for something more. Burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Let's note a couple of things. Let's note that the Bible is saying God has something better for us. We move, we move from burden to blessing in eternity. From burden to blessing. The Bible tells us in verse 4 that we are burdened in this earthly tent. And we are, aren't we? We're burdened by sin. Sin always does damage to us and harms us. The enemy's goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. It's one of the reasons God warns us about sin so often. Why it ought to matter to us. Why we don't just ignore it. Because it is a burden that we carry. But in heaven we'll be fully forgiven. In fact, if you trusted Christ as Savior, the moment you give your life to Christ... God forgives you of sin, and heaven will see that most fully. And you can be forgiven no matter what your past may be, no matter what sins you may have in your past, what what sins were committed against you, or what sins you've committed against others. You can be forgiven because Jesus paid the price, and his blood was given so that you can live. Jesus died so that you can live. And the Bible reminds us of this great truth that the burden of sin can be removed and we can find forgiveness. Brokenness turns to restoration. We're all broken. I mean, not just a few here. All of us broken. We're broken by sin. We're broken by our past. We're broken by the fallen nature of this world. And in heaven, we'll see the full restoration of all God wants us to be. I think a lot of people misunderstand this issue of brokenness and they think, 
well, I just need someone. If I, if I get in the right relationship, if I find the right person, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm broken, but that person will complete me. They'll, they'll bring healing to me. And here's what you're going to find, broken person. You're going to find the person that you meet is going to be broken too. They're going to be broken too. And if you're depending upon someone else, if I can find the right spouse, find the right boyfriend or girlfriend, find the right, the right person, the right friend, they'll complete me. I'm telling you, they're broken as well. They're broken as well. And in heaven, there'll be full restoration. Now, here's what I want you to understand about brokenness. God brings healing to us right here in this world. He helps us to understand what it means to deal with our own past and problems and how we can learn to deal with the past and problems of others and how we can find connection and relationship together. But we are every one of us broken. Every one of us. And you may be in a relationship with someone who is broken and you can see fully their brokenness and all the things they do wrong, but I'm telling you, you're broken too. You're broken too. And sometimes it's harder for us to see our own brokenness. We see so clearly the brokenness of others and it's such a struggle for us to see the brokenness in our own lives. But the Bible tells us God will bring restoration to us and in heaven there'll be no more brokenness. There'll be full restoration in heaven of everything that we're to be. And then it moves from problems to peace. We all have problems. We all have difficulties. This is a world filled with problems. I hate to almost watch the news because there's so many problems in the world. It just feels overwhelming. But the Bible tells us it'll be full peace in heaven one day. And we can have a foretaste of that glory divine, as the old psalmist uh, said, a foretaste of that peace in this world, but in heaven will be full, and we move from burden to blessing. But notice well that we move from dying to living. Verse 4 says, mortality may be swallowed up by life. I love that imagery. Mortality seems like, I mean, that's talking about death, and death seems, it's a great enemy. It's the great enemy. Just, we're all going to die. It's kind of that realization. At some point, you kind of realize, yeah, life, I'm mortal. I won't live forever. It's kind of depressing in a way, isn't it? I'm, gonna, I'm going to die. Boy, you talk about a positive sermon. This is a positive sermon. I'm so positive that I'm positive you're going to die apart from the return of Christ. That's how positive I am about this. And so we want to run from this mortality. Try not to think about it. If we just get drunk enough, we won't think about it. If we just run fast enough, we won't think about it. But it's always there. And eventually we begin to realize that we can't escape mortality except that the Bible says death, mortality, swallowed by life. The same power that caused Jesus to rise from the grave promises to us that in salvation we can overcome death itself, the grave itself, and find life, eternal life in Christ. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear death. Because we're looking forward to the promises that God makes about eternal life. I love this story. I've told it several times along the way. Paul Azinger was a great golfer, PGA golfer at one time. And he found out very unexpectedly, right at the height of his professional career, that he had cancer. Cancer is a tough word. And he found out he had cancer. And when that happened... He remembered immediately when he found that diagnosis. He had heard, he had just heard 
they have a chaplain at the PGA tournaments and things, and he'd heard the chaplain say this. He said, we think we're in the land of the living going to the land of the dying, when in reality, this is the land of the dying, and we're headed to the land of the living. And when you begin to see life like that, that God made us for something better, and we don't have to live in fear of death, we look forward. Paul talked about his eagerness to look forward to all that God had for him in eternal life. He wasn't saying, you know, I really don't want to live. He's not saying that. He knew he had responsibilities and purpose in this day and time. He was saying, God has something so much better for me that I'm going to recognize as I live in this fallen, broken world with all the fallen, broken people here that God has something greater to come. And I'm looking forward to that. God made us for something lasting and God made us for something better and then note a third principle God made you for a greater purpose God made you for a greater purpose let's go to verse 5 now the one who prepared us for this very purpose that is this purpose of eternal life this purpose of moving from an earthly tent to a building made from God an eternal dwelling in the heavens the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God 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 has prepared us for this purpose. It's really the story of the gospel. The gospel is not like self-improve and do better. And maybe if you could cuss a little bit less. You know, wouldn't be so mean when you're driving in and get angry. Don't get so angry. Try to be a little bit kinder to old ladies and things. I mean, I'm all for that. Listen, be kind to old ladies and, you know, stop cussing so much. Great. But that's not the gospel. That's the result of the gospel. The gospel is that we are all sinners and we're separated from God who is holy. And we can't self-improve self to, per, to perfection. I mean, maybe you can cuss less than you cuss right now. Great. But you cannot self-improve to perfection. That's unattainable. But God has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. God sent his son Jesus to live the life we couldn't live, the perfect life. And Jesus was therefore worthy to be the sacrifice that should have been us. Jesus took our place on that cross. He took your debt and he died in your place. He took your punishment on the cross. And, and Jesus provided for us the miracle that we need. He rose from the dead by the power of God. And because of that, we can be forgiven, not, of, not because of what we do, but because Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And if you will turn from your sin and give your life to Christ, you will be saved, the Bible says. If you'll place your faith in Christ, Christ will save you. I want to encourage you to give your life to Christ and find salvation in Him. He can save you. He can fully forgive you. He can give you a new home and give you eternal life. And He made you for a greater purpose. There's something more important to your life than just getting a paycheck. There's something more important for your life than improving your golf game. There's something greater for your life than just advancing up your career path. God has prepared you for something greater, and he's got a greater purpose for you. And we live our life best here when we recognize that purpose for eternity. And notice as well, verse 5 tells us that he gave us the Spirit as a down payment. He gave us the Spirit as a down payment. Now, when I bought a house, I couldn't just pay cash money. If you can just pay cash money, I mean, great, good on you. But I couldn't do that. I just had to, I had to make a down payment and then pay it out over time. Well, 
my down payment on my house is my promise. I'm going to, I'm promising, I'm going to pay this off. I, I'm buying the house and I'm going to give you money each month and, and I'm going to buy it over time. It's my down payment is my promise. God has given us a down payment on eternity, on the promises that he makes. And it is God, the Holy Spirit living in us. When you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit will live in you. He'll convict you when you do wrong. Have you noticed that? He'll empower you to do the right things. He'll help you to make the right, to overcome the weaknesses of your past and the sins that so easily kind of beset us. God will give you direction and purpose, the Holy Spirit living in you. God's not distant and far removed. When you give your life to him, he lives in you. And that's the down payment on all that's going to come when one day we see the Lord face to face and we, are, and we know him fully as we're fully known, the Bible tells us. And God made us for a greater purpose. It's one of the reasons we want to live an effective life here because we know God made us for a reason. He has a purpose for our life and for eternity. Number four, fourth reason to live with eternity in mind. God made you for a deeper connection. He made you for a deeper connection. Verse 6 says, We are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, that is, living here, we're away from the Lord. We know that. We're not, as nice as O'Fallon is, and it's a beautiful place, it's not heaven. It's not heaven, as nice as it is. It's filled with brokenness and sinful people and the fallen world. And so we're away from the Lord while we're in this body. Verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. We see the promises of God by faith. We look through the eyes of faith. Our physical eyes can't see heaven, but our spiritual eyes can. Verse 8 says, in fact, we are confident, and we would prefer, listen, listen to what he says, prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. It'll be even better when we're with him because God made us for a deeper connection. Let me note four things with you. First, would you know, we have responsibilities here, so don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. Far too many people are wasting their lives as though they were never going to stand before God, as though you were never going to give an account of your life, as though God were not the righteous judge that he is. And so we have responsibilities here. One day we will stand before him. So don't waste the brief opportunities God gives you in this world. God has you here for a reason. And you live your life well until that day when he calls you home. Notice well that God saves us for a connection with him. God saves us for a connection with him. You know what God wants? God doesn't want your money. Did you know that? He doesn't want your Sunday morning. He wants you. He wants you. When we trust Christ as Savior, the Bible uses this beautiful imagery of adoption. My family's been affected by adoption, and it, it's... It means so much to us to think that God, that there was a time we're outside of God's family, but when we trust him as Savior, he, he adopts us and we become his child. And we're saved for a connection with God. He wants a connection with us. And note, number three, that we see our future by faith. We live with eternity in mind by faith. We don't see that heavenly kingdom by sight, but we see it by faith. God wants us to live by faith. He wants us to live our lives now knowing by faith we're going to stand before him. And notice, well, our spirit is longing for heaven. Our spirit deep inside. We are never at home here. It's never quite home because we're longing for something deeper, something greater, something more. And your spirit is longing for heaven. And those of you who know Christ as Savior, there's this deep long, there's a sense of like you're homesick. 
And you'll never be fully satisfied by the things of this world. Those of you who are considering faith, you'll never be satisfied with the things of this world. You'll never get enough money. You'll never have enough pleasure. Power won't, be, won't ever be enough for you. You'll always be searching for something more until you recognize that God made you for eternity and you begin to live your life with eternity in mind. So I want to ask you to take three steps. I'm calling these steps to take three steps. I want to ask you to take in response kind of an application of what God is saying here in his word. Number one, I want to ask you to live with perspective, to live with perspective. In Wednesday worship, I'm talking about, um, we're going through Proverbs. I'll just do a different proverb each Proverb 1, this first week, and then on through the 31 chapters of Proverbs. And this past week, we talked a little bit about wisdom. We'll talk about wisdom several times in the book of Proverbs. And I said wisdom is really seeing God's perspective. If you could see God's perspective, you'd see some things differently. If you ever see the, like a video from a drone or from a, if you're in a plane, it just looks different. The perspective is different. And if we could get God's perspective on life and begin to see this world as God sees it. It'd be different. It'd be different. And God wants you to see his perspective. If you could see the eternal perspective, if you could see from God's perspective eternity, one, this is a brief little life I have now, and one day I'm going to stand before God, it would remind us of things like this. Problems are temporary. If you were here last week, we talked about how uh, it's called temporary affliction, light temporary affliction. And those afflictions were great. Remember, Paul was beaten with whips five different times and on and on. And yet he called them light momentary affliction because he's saying, from God's perspective, my problems, whatever I may be facing, are temporary. God has eternal things for me, but my problems are temporary. God's promises are real. God's promises are real. I'm going to stand before him one day. And if I could get that perspective... Life is short. Problems are temporary. God's promises are real. Secondly, I want to ask you to live with purpose. To live with purpose. God has you here for a reason. Did you know that? You're not an accident. You're not a mistake. God has you here for a reason. He's got a purpose for your life. God knew you were going to be in this world at this time. He knew you were, in fact, he knew you were going to be at this very place in this very moment. God knew those things. And he's got a purpose for your life. And I want to ask you to live with purpose, with eternity in mind. God has you here in the meantime for a reason. And we will see that purpose more fully in heaven. He made us for a purpose now, but we'll see it more fully in heaven. We'll begin to see how God put us in the opportunities and gave us this purpose in life. He's gifted us and placed us where he wanted us to be and all the opportunities that come with it. When I was in college, I heard a uh, someone say, it sounded so great to me at the time, he said, some people are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And it just sounded, you know, it's a clever little phrase, and it sounded so right, but I've, the more I've thought about it, the more I think that's incorrect. And I think the people who are most earthly good are the people who are most heavenly minded. The people who have the best perspective, who see that God made them for a purpose, are the ones who are most likely to do good in this world. They're the ones who are most likely to do, to do good in this world, to make an impact, to use the gifts and talents and abilities, to make a difference in this world for the glory of God. Live with perspective and live with purpose. And then number three, live with passion. 
What you do for God's glory matters for eternity. You know, some things, some things we give our life to won't matter one moment after our life ends. But the Bible tells us we cannot serve God without an eternal reward. You can't give away a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus without that having an eternal reward. And what you do for God's glory has eternal consequences. Man, that ought to bring some passion to us. And remember this truth. God loves you and has a plan for you now and for eternity. God loves you. You're talking about passion. God is passionate about you. He is passionate about you. He loves you enough that he sent Jesus to live and die for you. And he wants you to live that kind of life for his glory. He wants you to live a life of passion in this world. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your opportunities. Live with an eternal perspective. And one day you'll see him face to face. And one day we'll stand in his presence. Deep inside there's this longing for you. Like my wife and I had to go home after such a long period of time of being away. There's this passion deep inside. There's something more. You know there's something more. And God made you for something more. He's got something more lasting, something greater, something better something more eternal. He's got a life for you in the meantime that can count because it's going to count for eternity, and God wants you to live that kind of life. And so I'm going to ask you to live with perspective and live with purpose and live with passion. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? And as we bow, some of you need to trust Christ as Savior. I'm going to ask you today to give your life to Christ, not just to reform a little bit and not just to try a little harder, but to give your life to Christ. And if you are being convicted of your need for the Lord, you can be saved right here and now, today, right where you sit or right where you're watching this. The Bible tells us we need to repent of our sins and place our trust in Jesus, ask Him to save us, and He will. Would you say, God, I know I've sinned against you. If you need to be saved, God, I've sinned against you, but I want to turn from my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead for me. I believe you can save me. And so here and now, as best I know how, I want to ask you to save me. I want to give my life to you. And I'm going to trust you to save me. And Christ will save you. And we want you to grow in your faith and follow the Lord and use the time God gives you in this world well. Live with an eternal perspective. Christian, could I ask you to live with perspective? Would you say, God, help me to see that, he, that life is short and eternity is long? Would you, would you give me that heavenly perspective? Would you help me to live with purpose? to know that you placed me here for a reason and one day I'm going to stand before you. And Lord, help me to live with passion, to live with passion, knowing that one day soon I'm going to stand in your presence. Help me to live with passion. Father, I want to thank you for your word. There's a power to it and a truth to it. And we are in danger in our lives of just living for the moment, just living for what we can get or have, what we feel, what we like, what we want and to lose all perspective on eternity. But you tell us in your word, one day we're going to stand before you. You tell us in your word, life is short and eternity is long. You remind us to live with eternity in mind, in our heart, in our spirit, in our soul. And so, Father, I pray you'll help us to do that and to bring glory and honor to your name. And I thank you. You love us so deeply and dearly. And thank you for the hope that gives us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.